The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute. And with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made it the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will give you new and diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. And that's why Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We're excited to continue to provide you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn more about how we can make your difficult conversations easier. Selena, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I admire you so much and I'm excited to be here. Hey, it is our pleasure to have you, my friend. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, well, I'm Selena Resvani, and really it's my mission to help women in particular carve out paths to the top, to leadership, uh, but to do it on their terms, you know, to do it their way. Um, and, you know, a lot of that comes from my own learning as an author and an instructor, a LinkedIn learning instructor on this topic. But it also comes from my personal experience, you know, being what I call a recovering good girl, you know, often afraid to come out and ask for what I want. You know, that that was how I would describe myself uh, a lot of my growing up. And so it's not just a professional mission, but it's it's also a personal mission to really help people find their power and their voice to get their needs met. This is great. Yeah. And you, you can tell the difference when somebody is doing this from an academic perspective and when somebody has that lived experience, they're highly skilled and you have that passion behind it. So we, we appreciate that. And we want to amplify your voice as much as we can. And uh, listen, Selena, you kind of glossed over your LinkedIn learning courses, but they are really good. So let the listeners know about how they can uh, take advantage of that, too. Yeah, so if you go on that LinkedIn Learning Library, you'll see a number of courses that I teach around leadership development from how to be your own fierce self-advocate to how to demonstrate executive presence, okay, as well as courses on confidence, motivation, and developing great relationships at work. That's really important now, right? Because so many of us are doing it over Zoom or in, in a different way. So uh, I'm excited, 180,000 plus learners have taken these courses and uh, we're not done yet. <laughs> we, we're gonna keep going. That is exciting, kudos to you and everybody. We are going to put links in the description to all of those courses and Selena's website, of course. And today we are going to talk about how to be a fierce self 
advocate, which I love. This is great. And the, the three main topics we're going to talk about first, gender differences in negotiating. Next, moving from apprehension to action. And lastly, physicality and body language practices that build confidence. And I think one of the things that would be just an interesting place for us to start is talking about that operative word of fierce. Because you could have just said how to advocate for yourself or be a self-advocate, but you put the word fierce in there, and I'm sure that was intentional. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. I think for a lot of us, we would describe ourselves as fierce advocates for our clients, you know, for our internal stakeholders and customers, you know, for our VIPs, maybe even for those folks who we supervise and manage, right? We want to be fierce advocates for those folks. And so often, one of the messages I share with people is, you're already doing this. You know, you're already doing this. My question to you is, what if you took that same ferocious self-advocacy, you know, that same uh, art of negotiation you're bringing to delighting clients to those areas that benefit you, like your title? your performance rating, uh, the juicy assignment that just came in and who's going to lead it, you know, your pay, right? All these conversations. What if you, you know, brought that same great advocacy to those areas that benefit you? And what's exciting is when you, you start to think in a different way to bring that same fierce self-advocacy, um, you can do it even more often, negotiation, and even more strategically. Right. You, you can it. really do it more strategically and think through um, how can I be empathic to the other person's situation right now? How can I think about what's top of mind for them? How can I make this a win for both of us? That's great. And now let's talk about the, the psychology of that for a little bit. I'm a psychology nerd. I can't can't help myself <laughs> because I think when you think about it logically, Okay, if I advocate for myself, if I ask for what I want, if I am able to make these requests, it makes it more likely for me to get it. I think everybody will get that. And they can see that they can advocate for other people, but there's a mental block that prevents them from advocating for themselves. How would you describe that mental block and what would you suggest people can do to start to overcome that? Yeah, I think there are plenty of mental blocks. And, and one of the pieces of advice I share with people is, don't tell yourself no before they do, right? At least half of your success in negotiating well is that conversation you have between you and you, you know? Um, and when we try to negotiate, even if we're not successful, we're teaching other people something about our value. And, and that is meaningful alone. So uh, don't be so quick to discount, you know, the worthiness of your proposal or your raise request or the partnership you're proposing or whatever it is. Um, one important piece of that, though, is from a gender difference, when we look at some gender differences, women are a little less likely to negotiate when conditions are ambiguous. Okay, so uh, when let's say nothing at all is mentioned about salary in a job interview or a job description, women are less likely to negotiate um, as compared to maybe when the job description says salary is negotiable. There's almost an invitation there to negotiate. 
And so I think that's important to, to recognize uh, as a manager, regardless of your gender, that some people may put their names forward, may advocate for themselves differently. And you can encourage a self-advocacy culture in your organization by saying, hey, this stretch assignment and the hours required are negotiable. Um, we are open to different proposals or ideas or configurations of how this could work. So that's a, a small thing cultures can do to make it so that, um, you know, it's not just the, the loudest duck, right, that, that gets the, the top pay or the exciting assignment. They're really inviting everyone to shape that opportunity, that role uh, for themselves. This is great. And yeah, I think one of the biggest barriers that people have when they are having these difficult conversations is the fact that they have low negotiation awareness. This is something I mentioned in almost all of my trainings because we, we like to define negotiation really broadly. Anytime you're in a conversation and somebody wants something, you are an, in a negotiation. <laughs> and like you said, in these ambiguous situations, they are negotiations, but people are not identifying them as negotiations. And so if we're thinking about like a, a practical tool to help people understand what is negotiable, what would you suggest for people to help to increase their negotiation awareness on the job? Yeah. Well, one of the things I'd be very careful about is those moments you say to yourself, oh, that's not up for discussion or uh, that's not negotiable. And I bring some healthy skepticism to other people who tell you that. Because let me give you a quick example. I teach women physicians in all kinds of disciplines about negotiation. And they will often say to me, Selena, this is great and all, but I can't negotiate pay in my, in my area. And I'll often ask the room, does anybody here know of an exception to that? And guess what? Everybody raises their hand. Like they, they all know somebody who in fact did negotiate and <laughs> was successful in what they got. And I try to teach them the same thing to have that healthy skepticism. So if there's any trick or tool, I'd say it's really a mindset shift from, ooh, I don't think I can ask for that. I haven't seen a precedent of other people asking for that to saying instead, everything is discussable everything is open to revision, okay? And when you walk around the world that way, you're much more likely to be a satisfied person, whether it's you got cold soup in a restaurant or you're in a loud hotel room by the elevator or you're, you're getting all the crummy assignments in your job, right? You have to see things as up for, as I said, discussion, open to improvement. Um, that's really what the best negotiators in the world do. It's not like a crazy ninja move. It's a mindset. You're so right. <laughs> and, and what's really funny is that for the vast majority of the negotiations we have, they're really simple. Ask and you shall receive. That's usually how the majority of these negotiations yes. go. And um, what I realize is that the over-intellectualization of the process in many cases is a manifestation of fear. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to overthink this to the point that yes. it takes so much time that it becomes irrelevant, right? And really, we have to become more action oriented and at the same time understanding that perfection is a myth 
and you can move forward. That's why with these um, sparring sessions that we do, we have some episodes that are just live, unscripted negotiations, mm-hmm. and we don't edit it. Like we we want that ugly rawness that's that's part of it with the silences that are awkward and things like that to let people know that Hollywood makes it sound like these negotiations are just perfect all the time and they are very imperfect and that is okay they just need to get done and so if we can start to get to that point where we can accept that imperfection and move anyway just that alone will have a major impact on your success. Yes, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think when you do experiment more often, as you say, not striving for perfection, but striving for practice, experimentation, excellence, maybe, but not perfection, you become more attuned, right? As a negotiator, you start to say, oh, something about this doesn't feel right. Or, boy, that person is really rushing me through this, and I'm not liking how it's making me feel or conduct myself. You know, you get more of those spidey senses about what feels right, fair, comfortable, and what's, what's not. So I think that's an added bonus of just practicing more often, even in low stakes situations with your nine-year-old twins, if you're me. (laughs) Yeah, kudos to you. So you need a little bit of negotiation and mediation, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes, I need all the things, all the things. But uh, talk about fearless negotiators, right? Kids will say, you know, can I have two cookies? Oh, and can I have two more for later to stockpile? Right? They're not afraid (laughs) to go big and ambitious. Yes, I can relate. I can relate. And I think we've we've kind of seamlessly moved into moving from apprehension to action. But let's let's go in this officially. Let's go a little bit deeper. What is something that we have yet to discuss on this issue? Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would say it's really important when you think about your own apprehension. What is your worst fear? You know, for so many people, it's that they're going to tell me no or that they are going to look at me very differently after this in a negative way, right? Lots of people say, I'm afraid to look over entitled or over the top demanding and that it could ruin the relationship somehow. And rarely is that the case, right? Rarely is that the case. So I think part of it is, can you change your relationship a little bit with no to hear no as not yet? All right, so what? You got to know. Uh, so many of the women I've interviewed for my book, Pushback, 20 C-level women said, you know how I got here? I'm more tenacious than most. When I heard no, I wasn't afraid to go back five more times and say, how about now? Now am I ready to be the CFO of Nike? Right? And, and that's how they got it. That's how they got their posts and their roles in, in so many cases. Um, uh, just a quick story. One of my most crushing defeats in my own career was going up for a global spokesperson role for a large tech company. I was so excited about this opportunity, but I kind of looking back in that interview process kind of gave them the diet Pepsi version of me, you know, watered down, not full sugar, Selena, you know, full flavor. And, and it stung, right? It hurt when I got that rejection letter you know, a few days later, thanks so much. Nice to meet you. Stay in touch, but we're going to go in another direction. About two weeks later, after licking my wounds for a while, I wrote back to them and I, I pitched them a different idea. And I said, I know that one didn't work, but how about this one? And you know, what was crazy. Just like that, they said yes. And so one of the things I try to share with people is, can you make that no a yo, <laughs> right? In a perfect world, it's a yes. But how about a yo? How about a, a, a halfway yes? How about something a little different than what you pitched initially? How about a hybrid of what the two of you find high value and impactful, right? You know, some of this just requires us to be open when we hear a no, that it's not the end of the story. How can you go back and pitch an idea that's 45 degrees different, or maybe involve an additional party, or get some feedback and make your pitch better. But but please don't see it as the end of the conversation or even worse, end of the relationship. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and a lot of people say that the negotiation doesn't start until one person says no. Like that's just when yeah. things get interesting, right? Yeah, because that's we, right. We, that's part of the process. We're going to keep on going. And I love the fact that you, you described it as a story. And when you think about any story, th think about this story. Let me tell you a story here. Okay, so the protagonist came to this problem, easily won the problem because they were just incredibly skilled above the rest. And then that's how the story ends. Is that a good story? No, no, that, no <laughs> right. that's not a good story. No. Who would yeah. who would buy that story? Because yeah. what happens in a real story that is worth anything is that we have a protagonist. Everything was okay until hardship, 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Failure. Come back up. Try again. Use different angles. Hey, I reached success. And so what's really interesting is that we can appreciate that story in other people. But when it comes to ourselves, once we reach that resistance, we think something's wrong when that's just a natural part of the process. That's how it is in life. And that's how it is in these difficult conversations, too. I love that point. And, you know, you make me think about something which I think a mistake we can sometimes make. I know I've made this in my career is keeping quiet keeping to yourself after a no or a, what feels like a failed negotiation. And I often tell people like no self advocate who's good is an island, right? You, you know, you really want to tap your network because so often they're gonna say to you, oh, you got a no to that? That was totally normal. I got three of those before I got yes to more budget or whatever it is, right? Um, and, and I think we deny ourselves that normalizing or that context or some benchmarks we can compare ourselves to uh, when we do keep quiet and we don't use those sounding boards around us, those friends and, and contacts who are really willing and open to give their feedback so much of the time. So use them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now let's wrap up with body language practices yeah. that build confidence because a lot of times when we're thinking about body language we, we're just thinking about how i can analyze it in others to make better reads and that's important but you're taking a different angle so what do you mean by body language practices that build confidence yeah well i struggled with this a lot you know in my first career i was a management consultant advising senior leadership teams who looked the opposite of me in every way I'm five foot two, I have brown skin. I was in my 20s at the time, right? <laughs> the teams I was trying to influence were the opposite of me. And uh, I got good at giving them that diluted version of me, you know, and, and of course nobody won. You know, they didn't get my best ideas or anything memorable. And I didn't have the satisfaction of being me fully, being authentic. And I started to change that. And it was amazing how even changing it in my body, my mind, my ideas followed. You know, uh, here I was delivering authentic messages, questions, ideas in a different way as well. So I'm talking about a few different things. I'm talking about using expansive gestures to build your confidence, like things like getting your arms away from your rib cage. You know, for example, uh, sometimes we do that and we constrict when we're nervous, you know, but even if we look kind of across the animal kingdom, we see animals get bigger, right, when they want to be noticed or in cases sometimes where they want to dominate. And, and it's no different for you. You want to take up space. You want to claim your whole chair. You want to be conspicuous, right? You don't want to be in that position where you're kind of perched on the edge in a schoolboy or schoolgirl kind of pose. But, but you really want to claim your full seat. Another thing I like to do is I even use a mantra to help me with my body language, which is I 400% belong here in this board meeting, in this interview, in this high stakes partnership deal, I 400% belong here. Sometimes hearing that message, your body will follow, right? I have a, another tip I love to share with people and it's especially important for women. And I say that because we as women get a lot of social cues and conditioning 
that it's important to reassure other people. But Kwame, what if you just got the world's crummiest rays on earth, right? And you don't want to reassure with your face. You don't want to smile and say, oh, okay, thank you, and nod your head. You can use what I call resting neutral face, RNF, I call it. And it's more of a poker face. And, and you're not sharing so much of your tells in that moment. You look considered, thoughtful, like you're deliberating, like you're mulling over what you just heard but you're not co-signing it with your body language like this. And it's such a small power move, you know, but sometimes the bigger power move is to do less. Let them wonder what you're thinking and feeling about the crummy rays. You know, let them fill the space. Um, you know, as we know, silence can be really powerful in these moments too. Not rushing to say, okay, but instead allowing there to be a pocket of quiet, intentional, strategic quiet, because guess what? They'll often move to fill it and say, but maybe I can talk to someone else about, you know, why raises are so low this year, or maybe I can speak to HR if there's a supplement we could get you. You know, you'll often see people fill that space. So that's one more. I want to say one more thing just around body language and physicality, which is, you know, it's so important that we approach these conversations peer to peer. So even if you're negotiating with your boss's boss's boss, you know, you want to uh, take some of those power dynamics out of it, at least the hierarchy part, because that doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve you. There's an old saying, if you put somebody up on a pedestal, don't be surprised if they start to look down on you. And I think that's true in negotiations. And we can even telegraph that peer-to-peer -peer approach in our body language. If you're on Zoom, you know, don't have the camera cowering down at you while you're down here. Or conversely, you know, you're not staring above and over the person. You're really at that eye level. And you're communicating in so many words. I'm looking at you eye to eye. I'm looking at you peer-to-peer. -peer. That's an important mental shift to make before you enter these conversations. So again, negotiate with the person, not the power, you know, and, and that's going to come through in your body language. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. I appreciate this because I, I think people really don't fully appreciate just how much work can be done in silence and how much can be communicated with your body language and how much you can give away with mm -hmm. your body language right. because I, I tell when I'm if I'm working with people one-on-one -on -one, um, I let them know that I can your body language will either encourage me or discourage me and so if I give you an offer that is intentionally aggressive to see how you respond and you respond in a more submissive type of way I say okay even though they pushed back I know I'm in range and I don't think they're strong enough to stop this train from coming, right? And I'm still going to be very polite and respectful and everything, but I think that's one of the, this is a brief aside, I think the most dangerous negotiator to be up against is the one who's very aggressive and friendly about it. Because yes. they'll, they'll take, they will take your lunch and you'll like them. That's right, right. Like that's... career goals right there. I think that's career goals. I, I love how you put that. I think you're absolutely right. And, and it's like us human beings, we are energy matchers. 
You know, so I think when somebody's sitting across from you and they're bold and they're confident and wow, they're well prepared for this conversation, you know, we almost want to meet them at that level. We almost instinctively want to mimic what they're putting across. And I think on the flip side, we're also really perceptive, us human beings, at noticing a disconnect. So if you have a beautiful, well thought out proposal, but you're acting really nervous about it and diverting your eyes, like we are going to notice that disconnect between your strong verbal message and your body. So I tell people sometimes, look, there's no such thing as perfect body language necessarily. You know, it's not a checklist of 10 things you have to do, but you really want to make sure it's aligned, that your Mm -hmm. wonderful words aren't being minimized, contradicted by your body. You know, your body's echoing that smart message. 100%. And Selena, one of the things that I've done, and I think you might appreciate this as a fellow parent too, um, for my son, my six-year-old, sometimes when he can get down, he, you see his whole body language shift. He, he hunches forward, he makes himself smaller, his shoulders slump down, um, and his chin is down. I'll say, Kai, listen, though, before we start, continue this conversation, I need you to, to, to get yourself together with this body language, (laughs) shoulders back, chin up, come on. And then he'll try. I was like, Oh, you think, does does that feel better to you? He's like, no. I said, do you know what you look like? (laughs) I'll take a picture of him and say, Kai, all right. This is what you look like. Now stand up straight. Okay, let's compare these two pictures. Which person do you think is stronger? Which person do you think is smarter? Which person do you think is more accomplished? Like who, right? And he can see it and then he corrects himself. And I think a lot of people are giving off the wrong body language signals and not even realizing it. And so one of the things that can help is if you can practice while being recorded to see how you respond, that's really important. And when I when I work with people, one I, I don't do this as much as I would like to, I just don't have the time doing more trainings and consulting type of things. But when I do have the opportunity to work with people one-on-one and we're going through these mock negotiations, it's not just recognizing what the body language is at baseline. That's really not usually the, the issue. It's how the body language deviates at certain points in the conversation. It's like, hey, I just tried to bully you and this is how you responded, FYI. When you were making that offer, this is how you said it. And so I could tell this offer, like this part was more legit, but you you did not feel confident in this part, right? And so understanding what your body language shifts are and how your body language tends to shift at certain points, like just that precision of knowing with detail what it is can do wonders for that correction. Love that. What a gift to your son, you know, to show him the before and after. It's like a show don't tell kind of exercise. And sometimes that's more powerful. So I love that suggestion. I think you're right. If you're going to go out there and maybe role play an important negotiation before you have it, why not, you know, video kind of record that thing while you're doing it? You're going to get some really good intel that you just won't get any other way. Um and it's got to make you better. Even if it's one stylistic thing only that you change, it's going to make you better. Absolutely. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. And so before you go, other than checking out one of your many amazing LinkedIn courses, other than checking out one of your two or possibly both of your two amazing books, or other than working with you, what is something that people can do, a tool, a tip, or something like that? What is something that people can do to improve their ability to become that fierce self-advocate today? 
I want you to ask really good questions, diagnostic questions to peel that onion back. When you're in one of these conversations, 94% of negotiators don't ask follow-up questions. Okay, but this is a simple way you can set yourself apart and signal that self-belief that I belong here and there's value in my proposal. Okay, so I'm talking about questions like, how did you arrive at that conclusion that I'm not ready for a promotion? I'm curious what you meant when you said, I'm not CFO material or the right candidate. Can you say more about Okay, there, there's so much power in these questions and they elongate the conversation, which really works in your favor. So if you don't love what you're hearing, you're getting a dissatisfactory answer, don't slink out defeated. Ask some good follow-up questions, those broad open-ended questions to get the other person talking. Oh, I love that. Selena, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Keep doing your great work, Kwame. Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.